We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores, the games every day. Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius. Today we're going to discuss the personality of this Lakers team. I found myself thinking about this a lot lately of, like, I really like this team. Like, I'm a Laker fan, but I'm also a basketball fan. And we talked about this recently with regards to Rondo and his place on the team. But by and large... This team is very satisfying to watch from a basketball standpoint. This is the first team in a while, and obviously we're good, so this helps a lot, but it goes beyond just the record. This is the first team that's made me miss coaching because just certain things like, you know, AD took that huge fall in the game against the Knicks and could barely walk. LeBron was was sick and ended up playing. Avery Bradley had rolled his ankle the game before. AD is now listed as questionable miraculously for the Dallas game. And we can debate the merits of load management and the, you know, whether or not it's wise for a guy like LeBron at age 35 to be playing in as many games. But I have a great deal of admiration for how they've played through bumps and bruises and illness. And LeBron said in the post-game interview, was just talking about not wanting to let each other down, which is another aspect of like the most fun you will ever have in sports is being a part of or watching a team that really gets along and that really plays for each other and has each other's backs. And I think that really describes this Lakers team. So today, Darius and I are going to kind of get into just the personality of this squad and what we like, what we don't like, and what are things that we're kind of looking for as markers for how they progress throughout this season and into the playoffs. So with all that said, Darius, what 
What are some of the things that come to mind first when you think of the personality of this squad? I've said it on a bunch of different pods this year, but I do think this team has a certain resiliency to it. Mm-hmm. You know, they're now 20 and 0 against teams who are under 500. You can use that or shape it however you want in terms of a stat, but I happen to think it's impressive the way that they've sort of gotten up. Like, there's this idea that the Lakers play down to the level of their competition, and I think to a certain extent that's true. What I also— If I can interject just on that idea real quick, I think they relax when they feel like they know they've got a team, right? They're like, yeah, we got this. We're fine. If this lead goes from 24 to 13 in the next 90 seconds— so what? Or or you know, even but, if a game is like, oh, well, this is a four-point game and it's been like that for a long time, they feel like, oh, well, that's fine. We'll turn it on at some point, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. There's this idea that they, that they play down to their level of competition, but you and I know from watching years and years of specifically Lakers basketball that some teams, especially when the Lakers are on the road, It's like, you know how there's this idea of like the Thanksgiving game for the Detroit Lions is like, that's their Super Bowl, right? (laughs) Right. Because they're like three and nine. Yeah. And and then they're hosting this big game on when everyone is watching them and, and the stadium is full. That's what Lakers games are like all around the league. Right. And Mm -hmm. even in Los Angeles, when you're sort of a visiting team and you're in Staples Center, Like this idea that, oh, the banners are up there and this, this, that, and the other. And what that means for the Lakers, I actually think that also means something for other players around the league, right? 100%. And and you and I have talked about this a bunch about how teams get up to play the Lakers. And so while there's this idea that the Lakers play down to their competition, there is also a certain amount of mental energy that you need to have when playing against a team when you're going to get a really strong effort from them. Like the Knicks game isn't a great example of that, but the most recent Suns game was. Or Detroit even. Detroit played really hard. The Pistons played hard. The Pelicans played hard. There was a game earlier this season against the Grizzlies where like they came out on fire and they just Mm -hmm. played hard. And you can go up and down the Lakers schedule and they get a lot of teams strong efforts, if not their best effort. And there Mm -hmm. was to me sort of, a mental resiliency that you need in order to maintain a certain level of competitiveness against clearly inferior teams from a talent perspective, but that are also coming at you with a certain amount of competitive furor, like throughout the course of a 48-minute game. And it's really what I see with this team. Yeah, there's no such thing as a Laker game that's not a big deal. whether it's on the road or at home, right? Like that's a big night for whomever the Lakers are playing. And regardless of their talent level, like that you're going to get everybody's best shot, like you said. And what I like about this team is that they seem to make it more about themselves than, than their opponents. That's something that I think is really key for a good team is like, it's not so much about, and this is something that I think has a good chance of biting the Clippers in a bit who are very much, you know, playing this, Damon talks about this, but about, you know, playing as though they're in the third year of a three-peat run during the regular season, right? Like they've won a couple of titles and the regular season is basically a long preseason, like until they get to the real show and they will lose games as a result of that mentality and approach. 
the Lakers feel like they're building. It feels like they're getting better. Their defense has been better lately, mm-hmm. right? It's it's taken a, a tick back up. Now, yes, they are playing bad teams. But again, it's not about that. It is about, are you making your rotations? Are you playing hard? Are you playing for each other? Are you communicating? Are you focused? I very much think that focus is the mental aspect of that resilience, uh, just as fatigue can be something that leaks in to you, you physically, it, it's way harder mentally. Mm-hmm. Hell, even covering the team, you go through this, yeah. right? Where it's like, yeah, we got, you know, got to write these many articles, got to make this many videos this week. And I love doing it, but it's like, it, it adds up. Well, I know? mean, we couldn't even remember what team they played the other night, right? You, you and I were like, oh, yeah, like, it all runs into each other. Who was it again? Oh, that's right. It was New Orleans. Right. And we're not hopping on planes. We're not changing time zones. Like, look, these guys are well taken care of. Don't get me wrong. But, I do see LeBron's comments in the post game after he was sick, just talking about like, I didn't want to let the other guys yeah. down. I think, and, and it's not just like a lip service thing. There's, there's a certain joy to this team and a brotherhood to this team. Like Caruso drives baseline and dunks and does yeah. a little, you know, discount double check across his headband. Yeah. And, uh, you know, everyone on the bench is going nuts. Uh, and, there's all of these like moments. There's so many great photos from this yeah. season. That's one thing that stood out to me is all of these like just very joyful, but it's this like, it's a type of joyfulness that you only get from being competitive, from like going through something. Like, you know, sports is always an analogy for war, right? Like that's something that we as humans have always done to kind of keep ourselves entertained in peacetime is kind of these fake wars, sure. right? And there's the whole idea of, in military service, that band of brothers, yeah. right? And we exaggerate this beyond, obviously, what it's like to go through in an actual war, right? You know, not to harken back to the Byron Scott days, but like foxhole comments and who do you want to be in the trenches with? And like, mm-hmm. there's always going to be like that type of terminology that's adapted by the sports world, right? That's right. That's right. And these are all war. Ana- but the the whole idea of the band of brothers in in a military sense comes through or comes from like, we have been through some things together yeah. and we have been through hard times and we persevered and we are. And, and so, you know, those types of hard times are no way comparable to sports, at least in terms of severity and the consequences of them. But going through this experience together and I, I do think that everybody playing everybody going through it everybody like you look at the guy in the next locker next to you and it's LeBron James but it's not only LeBron James it's LeBron James with a cold he's sniffling he you can see in his eyes he looks like crap like we, we all know we've, when somebody is sick and he's powering through yeah. it if you're a role player what are you going to yeah. do the next time that you're in a position like that? And so persevering through that, it goes with that resilience that you've been talking about. So let me ask you a question, since we're talking about sort of the personality of the team. One of the most common sort of refrains around sports is that you take on the personality of your leader, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's the coach, but a lot of times you really mean the best player, right? Mm-hmm. And clearly this is LeBron James's team, even if... 
you can argue back and forth about how talented Anthony Davis is compared to LeBron James. It's not the same thing. But even Anthony Davis, when he came to this team, was still sort of like, there are things I could learn from LeBron, right? So he's already Mm -hmm. deferring a certain amount of the leadership to LeBron. So let's talk about LeBron. I want to ask you specifically, like, what have you seen from LeBron in terms of setting the tenor and tone for this team that has stood out to you that has sort of led to to some of the positive feelings that you have about the personality of this group? I don't want to speak out of turn because I have not followed LeBron's career on a day-to-day basis before he was a Laker, but I get the sense that he has learned from his previous experiences and, and has a value, has placed value on the cohesiveness of the full team rather than just me with my extraordinary talent is going to carry all of us and the other stuff doesn't doesn't matter right now he always had his you know sideline routines and guys taking pictures pretending they're taking pictures yeah, yeah, and yeah. guys having fun for sure but i i think that he has tried to take the best parts of his cleveland experiences and his miami experience and apply that to this team so certain things like the players only training camp in las vegas right which is a mix of like these are guys who like know each other from just being around right there are a bunch of vets that have been in the nba yeah. of course they know each other, but it's not the same, right? As like knowing, knowing each other the way that you do in going through a season. So getting that time together early on and him organizing that, that, that is notable to me in terms of answering your question of like things that he's done. I do think that the like, no, I am not going to take games off. I am going to play tonight when I'm feeling sick. I think that LeBron epitomizes the a, a running theme amongst a lot of the guys on this team of I have something to prove, which is crazy because he may very well yeah. be the best basketball player of all time. Sure. But he he felt slighted, right? He made eight finals in a row. Yeah. And he misses the playoffs the next year. And oh, is LeBron, you know, like not what he once was. Some of this is imagined in LeBron's own mind, right? Like I don't think too many people were like, he's washed, but it doesn't matter with the greats, right? Like they just need to find some motivation and inspiration. So I think he's on a mission um, to, you know, prove everybody wrong. And this could be said of so many guys on the Lakers, Dwight Howard, Frank Vogel, Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, a bunch of dudes on this team have something to prove to prove people wrong. Even JaVale McGee. Remember when JaVale McGee was a punchline? Yeah. Now he's Shacken. a solid bro. Now he's a solid ass role player that plays two shifts a game and busts his butt yeah. and does the best that he can during that. And he's a valuable part of this team. There's just so many guys that fit that that I think that LeBron has helped coalesce a certain us against the world type of dynamic that I think is really valuable and it builds on itself as you go through more and more. Yeah, see, so for me, you had mentioned some of his post-game comments after the Knicks game. One of the things that I've been trying to pay attention to more this year or, or to even say it a different way that has stood out to me is sort of the even-keeled approach that LeBron has taken when he's been talking to the media. Mm. And the tone that he set 
for the mentality of this team through his public comments. It helps that they're winning Mm -hmm. and that they actually have sort of shown that they're at a tier within the league that is truly considered like a real contender, right? So Mm -hmm. I think this helps push this mentality along. But I remember, I believe it was after the Bucks game where they had lost and they had asked him about just losing these types of games and what it was going to be like to go home because they had been on the road for a long time. And he sort of cracked a joke and kept it light and sort of reaffirmed the positive things about the team. He has rarely, if ever, this entire season gone negative, like not mm-hmm. like not even once. Even and there hasn't been like passive aggressiveness. There's or been like none that. of that stuff. And you remember like LeBron has famously said he understands that whatever he says publicly is going to become a story, right? Mm -hmm. And he also understands that is only going to be amplified with the Lakers, right? Being a member of the Lakers. And last year, what did he do? He made comments about wanting to play with Anthony Davis and these implications that he wanted better teammates, right? Like he was very open and honest about this idea that his team was not good enough. And also they weren't done, like they weren't done making the moves they wanted to to make. Exactly, right? Like like they were still in these formative stages of building the type of team that he wanted to get to. And if that meant some of the players who were currently on the team weren't going to be here when the final version Mm -hmm. of that roster was done, then eh, so be it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and there was sort of a coldness and calculatedness to those comments that even if he didn't mean it that way, his understanding of how his words could be taken, mm-hmm. like it was he, careless at best. Yes. He had to have known, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's not just going to be flippant about stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I've appreciated a fair amount about him this year is He has played that part of the game, right? The game outside of the 94 by 47 or whatever the Mm -hmm. measurements of the court are. He has played that to a level that is like, ah, you really are bringing this team together in a way where that sort of band of brothers united Mm -hmm. sense. We're in this together, right? There's been no hints about like, oh, we need one more piece or there's been no like passive aggressive comments or anonymous leaks through Clutch or Rich Paul or anything like that about what it might be to have a better backup point guard on the roster or mm-hmm. what it's like when your guys aren't hitting shots or even the most recent reports that came out about Kuzma, the reports that sort of were anonymous and linked back to LeBron is that he's still supporting of Kuzma, right? Those things are meaningful when you're trying to build the chemistry that you're going to need in order to compete at the highest level. And what have we seen recently from like the Clippers, right? Like you've seen some comments from like Montrez mm-hmm. Harrell about yep. like, oh, well, we've got new guys who weren't here last year and we're still trying to like build it up together, right? 
And so those aren't comments from Paul George or Kawhi, but you haven't heard stuff like that from like Lakers role players, right? And, and that's not to say that the Clippers don't have it together or anything like that, but there's been a lack of drama around this team that is meaningful to a longtime fan who has followed a lot of Lakers teams where every year there is some drama. Yeah, like how often did we get a good team and not a lot of drama? That's it, certainly been a rarity as as a Laker fan. Now, uh, what, one last thing I wanted to add about LeBron is that he started out fast. I think that that he like set the tone early. Uh, any number of people who have, who have followed LeBron because he's got a large contingent of fans that right that whatever team he's on, they're going to watch him every night, yeah. and almost all of them would always tell me like. LeBron's teams start slow, like they ramp it up. This is just how it goes. And that's not what happened this year, right? And I do think that that's notable that LeBron came out of the gates and set the tone like, because he understands that this is a new team, right? That this is a team that even though they've been around like this collection of individuals, they're not in the second or third year of championship contention or that core together. And so the importance of building that early on, it's different than if he's in Cleveland or in Miami with the Heatles and like, you've already won a title and yeah. you know, you can start slow and kind of ramp up because it's exhausting to do all that. I do think that the extended stretch off helped him out a lot. The, the other element of this that like Anthony Davis has a degree of leadership by example that I think is important. I, I was thinking about this today. I don't think I've seen him have a bad defensive game this season. And that's really remarkable, right? With the whole slog of the NBA season as we've sure. as we've discussed, that you know, even you know, offensive players are gonna go five for 14 one night. Like that's gonna and he's had his nights like that yeah. on the offensive end. Anthony Davis has been fantastic every single game on the defensive end. And I think that that I think there's a certain accountability to LeBron where like Anthony Davis can look LeBron in the eyes and be like, I'm a bad MF or two. Yeah. And I'm able to do this every night. Like I know I'm younger, but I think AD sets the tone where it's most important on the defensive end. Yeah. Right. Because the person, this team is simple in its construction. It's LeBron, AD role players in defense. Let's go win a title. Yeah. And let's at least try to with that. But AD's ability to be dominant defensively every single night, I think is really, um, it's why we have that record that we have against the under 500 teams. But even beyond that, I think it's healthy for LeBron to have somebody who can look him in the eye and be like, we're, we're not that far away from each other in terms of caliber of player. Pick it up. Make yeah. a rotation. Well, like LeBron got back, sorry, LeBron got back cut against the Knicks, uh, uh, for a play. And he was just like, oh, like last year, bro. Like that happened all the time. It was just like, hey, let's proceed as usual up court. LeBron was upset with himself. And I yeah. think that comes from, in part, just the overall culture of the team to which LeBron sets as the first guy, but he's not the only guy who does that. Well, I had written an article earlier this year at Silver Screen and Roll about Anthony Davis's case to be Defensive Player of the Year. And one of the points that I had made is that before the season even started, you're talking about accountability through play. This actually started with comments from Anthony mm -hmm. Davis. He said before the season, I want to be defensive player of the year, and I want LeBron James to be first team all defense. So right there, he is sort of throwing down the gauntlet 
to his sort of peer player, like, my expectation of you is that you're going to play top flight defense. The expectation for me is that I'm going to be even better than that. Like, I'm going to be the best defensive player of the year. And, And so there are things I feel like Anthony Davis had made some comments the other night about, um, like, lob passes, and he had said that him and LeBron are starting to get more chemistry on that stuff, and that he said, you know, LeBron gets on me because I'd be missing him sometimes, Uh like Uh on reads, right? And that was just a little bit of insight to me about how their relationship actually works, right? That Mm -hmm. LeBron is telling, he's, he's in AD's ear, like, look, man, like, boom, like, there I am, like, you missed me right there. You mm-hmm. know it's like that in film sessions, too. Like, yep. look, yep. like, like I'm right there. I can almost guarantee you that LeBron is not giving it and AD just taking the whole time, mm-hmm. right? You know there's film sessions, too. He gives like, it back. Like, where's that closeout, man? Like, That's right. Right? And there was a play where LeBron against the Knicks, open court play, he was last man back, so it wasn't a chase down opportunity. LeBron went vertical, and mm-hmm. then he blocked a shot. And first thing he did was he pointed right back at the bench and was just like, see, like, mm-hmm. like I still I'm got go- that. I- I'm going to make those plays too. Like, mm-hmm. Dwight, JaVale, you're not the only guy who can go vertical and stuff a guy. There are these sort of in-team if not like rivalries and competitions, but just sort of like, oh, well, you got that. I got that too, right? And Mm -hmm. the rising tide lifts all boats. And LeBron is doing his best, I feel like, on both sides of the ball. But give him credit for what he's doing offensively to sort of raise the level of this team. But the leadership that you're talking about from Davis in terms of what he's providing defensively, let's not forget that as well when we're talking about the mentality and what this team is actually about. Yeah, and that's super healthy, super healthy to have that dynamic. And that's why it's important to have another superstar on the team when you've got LeBron, especially now. This has been all positive up until this point about yeah. what we like about the personality of this team. One thing that I've been concerned about was something that came up today in the news. Uh, we usually don't entertain stuff like this, but Stephen A. Smith was talking about basically the Clippers think the Lakers are soft. And this was something that I think I've mentioned on the show uh, when I watch I watched that game so many times over a 48-hour period, and it was awful because of the way that game went. But that was something that really stood out to me in the last few minutes, and especially the closing moments where the Clippers already knew they'd won. Yeah, you're talking about the Christmas Day game. The Christmas Day game, exactly. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying. The Christmas Day game, the Clippers were very much like, yeah, these dudes are soft. And just everything about them, it was that like smirk. We got away with one. We played hard for, you know, Mm -hmm. two quarters and got this W while they fall apart. They're bumbling, fumbling passes and, you know, making just all these uncharacteristic plays because they're, they're shook. Right. And so that Stephen A. Smith coming out today talking about that did not surprise me at all. To what degree are you concerned about the front runnerness of this Lakers team of like, yeah, they're hmm. great when they're the conquering horde, dominating a sub 500 team, or even some very good teams, your Denver's, your Utah's, teams that aren't going to win a title most likely, but that are good teams. But then when they get punched back, 
right, that they kind of wilt and crumble. They're 0-3 against those best teams in the league. Is that partially, do you think, is that due to mentality? And do you have any concerns about that? I mean, I have concerns about them losing those games. The Clippers game, particularly on Christmas Day, stands out just because the Lakers were basically in control for so much of that game. And then down down the stretch, they just played so poorly. And LeBron obviously wasn't 100% healthy. Um, he had taken that knee to the growing area very early in that game when he tried to draw that charge from Patrick Beverly. He did not look himself physically necessarily, but the errors that they were making weren't like physical errors. You, you know, they were mental errors and there was just a certain lack of focus and attentiveness. And you can attribute that to whatever you want, but it was there, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and so that does sort of concern me. That said, in order to get to a championship, you build over the course of an entire season, right? Mm-hmm. And to me, a great example of this is both the Toronto Raptors from last season and the first Warriors championship season before they got Durant. I think that was, what, 2014 or 2015? The Uh, the 14-15 Warriors, right? Yes. Those teams sort of learned how to be a champion on the fly, right? The Warriors team especially did not have any championship experience. That This Raptors team did. They had Kawhi, they had Danny Green, um, but they also had like a rookie head coach, right? In terms of NBA experience. That said, there's a certain amount of growing that both those teams had to experience, even not only throughout the regular season, but throughout the playoffs, getting tested in in playoff series, having close games go their way, pulling out some wins where it looked like maybe they weren't supposed to, coming back in a series or two. And this group of Lakers just doesn't have that collective experience yet, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that they're going to even get it this year. Before this podcast started, you you and I were, were talking back and forth about this. And I hearken back to the 2008 Lakers, right? Like right. that team sort of came out of nowhere, but they had Kobe. They traded for Pau Gasol. They had some championship DNA with Phil and Kobe and Derek Fisher. But in the end, that team did not have championship collective experience. And mm-hmm. when it got to the finals, they got beat by a team that was just mentally and physically tougher than them in those moments, right? And Mm -hmm. they lost. And I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen to this year's Lakers, but it wouldn't surprise me if a certain amount of adversity hits and it just proves out that they're not the better team. Like you and I have talked about where the roster might be short this year or concerns that that we might have. That said, the overall like, oh, they're just a soft team. Like, no, I don't think that when I no. look at this team at, at all. What I do see, though, is a team that is still learning, still trying to figure out exactly how they're going to put it all together. They've played less than half of a regular season so far. If they get to the finals, like you're probably looking at close to a hundred game season, they've played 37 games so far. So they're about a third of the way through or something like that. Like, let's see where they're at in games 70 and 80 and hopefully 90 and 95, right? Because mm-hmm. that's where I think we'll have the real view of what this team is. 
Well, and that's going back to the beginning. That is the value of these guys suiting up for as many of these games as they can when they could just as easily sit out. It's fighting through adversity and it's showing the guy next to you that I'm going to fight through adversity because I believe in us and I believe the collective Mm -hmm. will of what we are capable of doing down the line. In terms of the Lakers possibly being a, f- a front runner or a team that that wilts uh that that has been the case in the big games so far i also think that it's part of their story and that that does that story does not necessarily have to end that way i think that these little challenges of fighting through those injuries and sicknesses are part of that of part of going through adversity and pulling through and being able to do that together and to put a bow on all of it for me my eyes are on Anthony Davis. He's yeah. the guy that, uh, unlike that 2008 team, we do have LeBron James. Like obviously they had, we had Kobe there, but we also have guys like Danny Green and uh, you know Avery Bradley, Rondo, even these guys who have been through the wars in ways that that 2008 team was a little younger. Yeah, a lot of the key the key guys. Yeah, Farmar were, and and Sasha, um, right? Ariza, who ended up getting hurt, right? Those guys, right. a, lot yeah. of, a lot of kids, a lot of kids on that team, and and this team's an older team, but Anthony Davis is the guy who I've been concerned about a couple of times in those moments where just like like I said, fumbling passes and just sure. making these uncharacteristic like, oh, this game feels different, like these high end games feel different, and yes, he's been fantastic in the playoffs. I don't want to act like he's some choke artist or anything no, no, like no. that. What I'm saying is that he is the difference, right? Yeah. If he if it's too big for him at some point and he can't like he'll still be great, but he, if he's not Anthony Davis for us throughout because the moment's a little too big for him, we're not going to be able to get through this. But him being able to persevere and be a part of this culture, I think Anthony Davis is growing up like he always had the mantle of being the guy who was like he was the savior of the franchise yeah. for the Pelicans. Like, who were his guys? Like, yeah, there are veterans and things like that, but they weren't playing for conference championships and titles. They've just never played it at stake, those stakes before. LeBron is the guy that he can learn from. And that goes back to what you were saying about AD's comments at the beginning. So for me, he's the guy that we're going to be keeping an eye on. But all in all, the I'm very happy with the personality of this team. I think they're real. I think they're real grinders, uh, which is kind of uh you wouldn't think because they're superstar and glitz and glamour and whatnot yeah. but these guys really get after it and i really respect how they go about it well, so it's funny right because that's how the other team across town is trying to market themselves and don't don't get me started right don't get me started but the lakers do bring their hard hat to games and just because one guy's going to be in space jam Right. right. That that doesn't mean that you're not tough. So anyway, uh, really am enjoying this team and I'm curious to see how their personality continues to grow. But uh, until next time, this has been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We will catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Campbell in and out. The ball is tipped and it's saved. Three seconds left. Here's Van Exel. This is for the win. He got it. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. An amazing performance by Kobe. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. 
A lot of Laker fans sticking around something. for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I know Red Arbach is uh, rolling over. Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? How strong was that? A triple on a fall away in the corner with a shot locked down. Lakers by three. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. And the critical part was Pietras jogging back. Didn't bounce the floor. It's a two-for-one situation. Kobe Bryant picked up by Powell. There's the move. Two, one. Listen. Brian, yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me?